few minutes talking about something God laid on my heart last night entitled, Good Friends Will Let You Down. Good friends will let you down. Now, as I announced that this morning, I saw several faces, and I heard a few people go, yeah, I've had those. I've had those kind of friends. But um, I hope that you have had good enough friends to let you down. And as a matter of fact, I hope that you are a good enough friend to let somebody down. Now, if you don't know where we're going, it, we'll get to the Scripture in a second. But I believe that we have got to do something beyond the ordinary. We cannot just go through life and accept the barriers that the devil puts in our, in our path as walls that are impassable. But instead, we need to come together with a group of friends that say we can overcome every obstacle that the enemy places in our life and in our path. I want you to open your Bibles with me tonight, if you will. Amen. Mark chapter 2, beginning, we'll begin reading with uh, verse number 1. Mark chapter 2, verse 1, reading from the New King James Version of the Bible, it says this. And again he entered Capernaum after some days and was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on the, which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus saw their faith. I'm going to read that again. And Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your anointing, for your peace, for your mercy, and for your grace. And Lord, I pray that you would just reach down right now and send your victory, send your power, send your anointing, and send your peace. Lord, let your word flow from my mouth the way that it has flown into my spirit. Lord, just like you shared this this story with me, Lord, just like you uh, uh, anointed me to, to write these notes, Lord, I pray that you would anoint me to share this message in a simple, understandable way so that everyone who is here, everyone who's watching this sermon online in their homes, Lord, that they can understand and they can run with the message of this sermon. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the Lord. I believe that God wants to do something wonderful tonight. As I began to look at this passage of Scripture, and I began to think about these four men that carried the paralytic. One of my favorite stories in the Bible those of you that have known me for a few years know I have several thousand of those favorite stories in the Bible. And I believe that God has always given me a passion for this group of men. Not just because of who they are, because one of the things that I see, and we're going to talk about this in a few moments, is, 
is the fact that these four men had a dip, made a difference in somebody else's life. Somebody who wasn't able, they made a difference. And, and, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But as, as I began to look at this story, I began to, to pay attention to what it has to say. And the first thing that I see is that the Bible says that Jesus was in the house. Now, before we can ever get to talking about whether or not we bring a paralytic or we bring a sick person or a lost person into the house to find Christ, we got to start at the beginning. It doesn't matter if we bring them someplace where Jesus isn't. It doesn't matter if we bring them to a house where Jesus can't be found. You see, before we even get into the message of this, of this sermon, before we get into the heart of this, we must first open us, ourselves up and say, God, we want you to be in our house. Now, I don't just mean in the house of this church. I mean in the house of our heart, in the house of our homes. I want Jesus to be where I am. If Jesus feels the house and Jesus is in the house as the song that we so desperately tried to sing there's a healer in the house there's a healer in the house when we understand that the healer is there I'm going to tell you something when we start ushering in the presence of God we won't have empty seats you know the sad news is I've been saying that for six and a half years I've been saying that for six and a half years. If we would usher in, and still yet, what do we do? Well, God, there are not many of us tonight. I don't need to worship tonight. Oh, get ready. Get ready. God gave me some revelation this afternoon. Probably going to come in a sermon series, probably in March. Maybe April, but probably March. Because we can't go nowhere until we start breaking some spiritual strongholds. And whenever you have a spiritual stronghold, where do you break it? Where did the, the army of God break spiritual strongholds? Did, it, did they break it with strong men? Did they break it with warriors? Did they break it with, with no, they broke it with worshipers. And I'm going to tell you, if we don't start worshiping the walls down, if we don't start worshiping the walls down, invite, the Bible says, I say this all the time, the Bible says that God says, I will inhabit the praises of my people. And if we ain't praising God, he's not inhabiting that. And if he's not inhabiting that, he's not in the house. But when we start to praise him, when we start to glorify him, when we start to love him, when we start to worship him and bow down before him, then he comes in the house. And when Jesus is in the house, the house is changed. Oh, come on now. I appreciate the little patty cake. But when Jesus is in the house, you don't have to patty cake, you know how to shout. When Jesus is in the house, you don't have to give him a, 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 a polite applause. But when Jesus is in the house, you erupt in praise. You erupt in glory. You... I'm so... No, 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 no. I want God to have control of my life. I want God to move in my heart. I want God to inhabit the praises of my life. I want to know that he is in the house. Somebody praise him in this house. 
And when he is in the house, there is no room in the house. When he is in the house, all of a sudden there is no room in the house. I keep thinking back to a Toby Mac song. It says, when loving in the house, the house is packed. When Jesus walks into our church, all of a sudden, there is a power that draws. And when Jesus comes in the house, there's no room in the house. All of a sudden, people want to come see the fire. They want to come see the anointing. They want to come see the move of God. They don't want to see me. They don't want to hear somebody sing a song. They don't want to see what you're wearing. They don't want to see what you look like. What they want to do is they want to see the God that heals, the God that delivers. We're in Mark chapter 2 here. Mark doesn't take any time to get started. As soon as Mark starts writing, by the end of the first chapter, you have to understand, Jesus has already cast out demons. Jesus has already healed the sick. He's already made changes in people's lives. I got news for you. The Jesus that I want to fill this house fills his house not so we can count them, but he fills his house so we can meet their needs, so that we can minister to them. We got a problem, church. We got a problem in this house. Because somewhere down the road, we've decided that we're only a first aid station. I love being first aid. I love being a hospital. I love helping people, building people, Helping people grow and, 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 and move forward. But somewhere we've decided that part of that growth is at some point we gotta kick them out. Ain't nobody shouting now. We've set back, not for six and a half years, but we've set back for 15 years. Watching people come in and go out and come in and go out. I'm glad for everybody we've sowed into. I'm glad for everybody we've been able to help. But the Bible tells me that when God is in the house, the house is full. There is no room. There, why was there no room? Because they wanted more. Our problem is we have come to a place that we only know what to give a little bit. And they have to go somewhere else to get something else. And I'm telling you, it's high time that we set our minds and say, I want God in the house. I want Jesus here. And I don't want there to be a little. We can't afford to miss a service because that's the service that God's going to do what he did today or what he did last week. God's going to send revival. God's going to send power. We need an excitement to flow through our hearts. It is excitement that creates a full house. Now, pastor, are you just going to preach about attendance tonight? No. Lord, I need to what our attendance has been. But I ain't going to preach about attendance tonight. I'm talking about having the presence of God. But before we can get 
to the places I want to go to. We've got to understand where we need to be. How do we get God in the house we worship? How do we get to the place that there's no room? We go and we share the good news. Oh, you got to see what's happening in our church. See, our problem is, instead of going out and say, you got to see what's happening in our church, we go, you got to see what's happening in our church. We, we, we don't have an excitement anymore. We've lost our fire. We've lost our zeal. We've lost because we've lost our battles. We've lost the battle of worship. We've lost the battle of sacrifice. And now we go through the motions. Time to make the donuts. All right, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Time, y'all know what I'm talking about. Time to make the donuts. Time to go to church. And we, 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 we just trudge through life. But God says, listen, I want to call you. I want to show you that I can be in your presence. And when I get in your presence, it's going to mess everything up. The house is going to be packed. The Bible says that the house was full everywhere, even by the doors. Let me rephrase that for the modern congregation. The house was so full that the front row was full. I I mean, we know what that was like. We've been there. We've got to get that fire back. We gotta get that anointing back. We gotta get back and fight those battles and get Jesus back in the house so that the house is packed. So that it's full. But then something happens. When the house is full, people begin to look for what God has in store. When the house is full, Jesus said, Oh, I'm so glad you're here. No, the Bible says he preached the word. Those of you that know me, that know me well, know that, that, that while I'm sort of loud, some people say. Some people say I'm sort of out there on the edge. People like my wife know that I'm also a very, very shy person. Don't laugh. I don't know who's laughing. I hide my shyness with a loud voice. But I'm actually very shy. I'm a little introverted, to be honest. And I highly critique my preaching. I'll leave here week after week after week and go, wish I'd have preached that better. Much like you do. Week after week, wish you had preached that better. But God has moved in the last six months. And Beth has heard something from me she doesn't normally hear. Because I'll get in the car and I'll have a little smirk on my face. And I'll go, that was pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty good. Man, I got to listen to that one. That one sounded good. Because you got to understand, I don't know half of what I say when I'm preaching. <laughs> it's the anointing. I don't know what I'm saying. 
But, but God has, has moved as I preach the word. And I'm understanding that the Spirit is speaking to the church. When Jesus is in the house, the house fills up. And when the house fills up, you're not going to get a sugar-coated sermon. You're not going to get a... You're not going to get a joke, a smile, and two points. We're not going to watch a clock. We're not going to pay... What you're going to get is the Word of God. The Word of God is going to come forth. Jesus was in the house, and the Bible said he preached the Word. I've got news for you. When Jesus comes in the house, the anointing rests on the pastor, and he will preach the Word through this willing vessel. Now we've set the table. Jesus has come in the house. The house has filled up. And Jesus is preaching the word. Everything you could ever want is there. And word continues to spread. And all of a sudden, four men came bringing a friend. This paralytic couldn't walk. Boy, I know how to deal with those people. This paralytic couldn't get around on their own. And so their four friends laid them in a bed and picked up all four corners and began to walk. Now I believe that the paralytic believed like they believed. But it wouldn't have mattered. They didn't ask him. They carried him. When Beth and I were engaged, I think we were engaged. We may have been dating. I don't know. When we pastored the nursing home, were we engaged yet? We were engaged for so long, I don't remember. We were engaged 15 years before she'd marry me. But we, somebody said she didn't wait long enough. I heard that. I think it was her. Uh, but, when we were engaged, we pastored a nursing home and, and a whole other story about how God opened that up. And, and I pastored this nursing home, Life Care Center of Cleveland. And when I went in to train, the, the, the pastor was going on a work leave and he had to do training for his job and he was going to be out for four months and I was going to fill in for those four months. And when he was teaching me, here's what he told me. He said, walk around the nursing home and ask everybody if they want to go to church. Unless they can say no, you take them. Which, and that's honestly, you go around, you want to go to church? Uh huh, they go. You want to go to church? No, you leave them alone. You want to go to church? You grab their chair and start pushing them. You want to go to church? They couldn't talk as long as they wasn't hooked up to too many wires. You grabbed that bed and you pushed it to the church. He said, unless they can say no, you take them to church. And I thought, okay. And I'd go in, you want to go to church? Now, really, do you want to go? I can take you if you want to go. You want to go? And finally, I'd wheel that chair, grab that bed. Finally, I had one lady, I'd pushed her bed down to the church. Got to preaching, got excited. I had never heard her say a word. I don't know if it was a healing or what it was. 
I'd never heard her say anything. But about halfway through a sermon, I paused and I heard her lift up her voice and say, Is he done yet? I don't know if she had been healed or delivered. The next week she said, no, I'm kidding. I don't remember if she did or not. They picked him up. And it didn't matter if he said, I want to go or I don't want to go. They took him. These are good friends. Because these friends said, I can't let you die in the state you're in when I know where there's a deliverance. These are friends that are good enough to say, I can't let you exist in the state that you exist in when I know that there's a man over here at this house that has healed the sick, that has called the lame to walk, has cast out demons. I can't let you sit here in your misery and sit here in your pain. Wouldn't it be great if we became friends like that? But we're not. You don't want to go to church, do you? No. I don't want to bother. Can I tell you there are times that I don't even ask my wife if she wants to do stuff because I'm afraid it would be too much of a burden on her to do it? Physically? Do you know that we do that spiritually to people that we claim to be friends with? We don't want to invite them to church because it may be too difficult. I'm going to tell you, you want to know the best time to invite somebody to church when it's snowing? Because they don't have to worry about big crowds. Bring them to church. Best time in the world to invite people to church is next Sunday. I ain't going to be here. <laughs> Sister Sarah's going to be preaching. Sister Amy's going to be leading worship. <laughs> see the Ryans back here. Good to see y'all. I'll never forget. I went to China for three weeks. I got back from China, and I'm walking around Sunday school shaking hands, and there's this lady back there just talking to people and welcoming visitors and comes up and welcomes me to the church. I was like, who are you? I'm the pastor. I don't even know you. And they're like, oh, we've been coming here for a month. I come back, and they haven't been here anymore. No, I'm kidding. All of a sudden, we've got to understand that it doesn't matter what the weather is. It doesn't matter where the pastor is. It doesn't matter what's going on. If you've got a friend who doesn't know Jesus, what kind of friend are you if you don't try to get them to church? Oh, I'm not going to say any names. I'm going to turn around so I don't look at them. Somebody just said, I've tried. Let me ask you this. If you knew that if you got somebody to Walmart, if you knew that you could fill their basket up with free food, 
Would you do more than just ask? Would you beg them? What if you knew that they were dying? And you knew that there was somebody that had the, the, the antidote for the disease that they had. How pushy would you get to get them to that healing? You know what? Everybody you know that doesn't believe in Jesus, that doesn't serve the Lord, is destined and dying and going to a hot, burning hell. I don't believe in fear tactics. But I'm telling you, it's time we start loving them enough to pick them up and carry them if we have to. It's time that we start loving them enough that we say, oh, I'm going to bring them. What was it? It was four came bringing. It wasn't just one of them. Now, I can't imagine four of them go, hey, let's go get Joe and carry him to Jesus. My guess is one of them said, probably was in the service. And said, ooh, I bet he could heal Joe. And then he went over and he said, hey, 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 Joe's sick. Let's go get Joe. Hey, we're going to go get Joe. Hey, we're, we're going to get Joe. We need some help. And they started rallying support. Not just one of them walked in, but four of them walked in. Joe, we found a guy that can heal you. Well, I don't know. I'm just... I just can't, I just don't feel like moving today. That's okay, Joe, you lay down. Jack, you get the other side. Bill and John, you get the other end. We're going to drag him to church. We're going to carry him to church. They said, nothing is going to get in our way. You can't tell us no. I don't care if you say no once or twice or 20 times. We're going to keep bugging you until you come. We're going we're gonna to bribe you. I'll buy you breakfast if you go to church with me. I'll take you to breakfast. We'll go to church and I'll take you to lunch. I'm going to tell you, most, most people in the world will take breakfast and lunch to go to church. But pastor, I don't, what, what if God doesn't do anything? Oh, you let God take care of what God's going to do. You get them here. You start being the friends that bring them. And so they grab up this paralytic and they begin to walk with him. But the Bible says they could not come near to Jesus because of the crowd. This makes me sad. Jesus was in the house preaching the word, and the house was full. Now, I understand this was literally a house. But what does that sound like? Where do you go to hear somebody preach? Church, right? A house of worship. Before we were able to buy houses of worship, it would be in somebody else's house. They could not get the man with a need to Jesus because of the crowd. Can I put that in a word we can understand a little better? They could not get the person with a need to Jesus because of the church people. 
they could not get him through the door because of the congregation. Oh, we don't want that kind in here. Oh, we don't need we don't need him to interrupt. We are in a meeting. We don't need an interruption right now. We don't need this. We don't need that. The crowd, the crowd very easily could have parted paths and they could have allowed him to get to Jesus. The crowd could have reached up and taken a hold of the cot and lifted over their heads and passed him to the front to Jesus. But instead, I just need to be in worship. I can't work in children's church because I need to be in worship. I can't work in the nursery because I need to hear the word. I can't do this. I can't do that. What you're saying is those needs are not important enough. I've got to get to Jesus. I'm the only one. You got a selfish spirit. You got a selfish spirit and you're keeping the lost from the altar. I am sick and tired. People having to go through the roof because they can't come through the door. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter if the building is full or the building is half empty. We have a knack and a power for being able to stop people at the door. Who's that? Why are they here? What in the world they come back for? I thought they didn't believe in Jesus. I've told you this over and over again in a small town. Some of you have experienced it. In a small town, you're not going to stay in church very long until your son's ex-wife or ex-husband walks in. Your son or daughter's ex-wife or ex-husband, let me word that correctly, walks in the door. Your dad's business partner who cheated him out of everything he owns walks in the door. What are you going to do? Maybe it's your ex-husband or your ex-wife that walks in the door. What are you going to do? Are you going, oh, we can't have that. You're going to say, you know what, I want to get out of the way and let them get to the altar. Or maybe I'm going to go help carry that cot. You know what would have what, what would have been like if they had got to the door and instead of four bringing the cart, 40 brought the cot. What would have happened if instead of four that carried him, what if everybody had picked up a little bit of it and said, oh, we got to get him there. But the crowd stopped them. You need to ask yourself, am I a friend or am I just part of the crowd? A friend is pushing to get them wherever they've got to be to get to Jesus. The crowd is blocking the way. Are you a friend or are you part of the crowd? 
Are you making God accessible to the people you know, the people you care for? Or are you a hindrance to them getting to God? Oh, ain't nobody shouting. I don't understand. See, sometimes we've got to look at ourselves and say, what are we doing? What are we setting up? What are we, what are we saying? They could not get to him because of the crowd, because of the congregation. So they went up on the roof. And they tore through the roof. And the Bible says when they had broken through. Verse 4, and they could not come near him because of the crowd. They uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through. You can't lead anybody to their victory until you get to your breakthrough. Come on, church. You can't lead people to what they need until you've made it to your breakthrough. See, I, I saw a Facebook post this week from, from one of our overseers, uh, uh, Bishop B, uh, Kip Box from Michigan. And him and our overseer, T- Tommy Powell, were talking. And they were talking about the words that they don't hear in church anymore. And people began to list some of the phrases you don't hear in church anymore. And one of them was, we got to pray through. We don't pray through anymore. Well, what does pray through mean? Pray through till you get the victory. Pray through until you've dug through the roof and you're over the place where Jesus is. Get in an altar and seek it until you find it. I commented on it. I made two comments. One of them I said, hang on. And right underneath it I said, let go. Used to confuse the daylights out of me. One on one side saying, hang on. One on the other side saying, let go. What I remember, what I figured out is they were saying the same thing. Hang on to God and let go of yourself. You got to pray through. We got to break through. But if we don't get it in 30 seconds or less, it ain't good enough. If the preacher don't preach it in 30 minutes or less, it ain't good enough. If we can't structure our services to be in and out in less than an hour, then we think we've got a problem. What happened to the days that we were willing to get in an altar and pray until we found victory? What happened to the days that we were willing to say, I don't care about the pot roast. I don't care about getting home. I just need to get to Jesus Christ. Now I can't even get you to get out of your seats and come to an altar. And when you do, you do a courtesy bow. God, do whatever the pastor said we should have. I wonder what we're eating for dinner. These altars are bathed 
in the tears of a generation that cried out, God, we need something more. But the tears of the altars are drying up because we want to get out the door. I'll never forget being a little boy in the Shoto Church of God. Blonde wood altars in the front. I was at a 24-hour prayer meeting, much like we've done here a few times. It started this year with one. And in the middle of the night, Dad had prayer, and I went with him, and I was about seven or eight. And I went with Dad to pray. And I prayed a little bit, and then I went in his office, and I slept a little bit, and I got up and prayed a little bit. And I, I didn't know a whole lot about prayer. I just listened to what Dad did. And I remember I was kneeling at the altar. And as a little boy that may or may not have had just a little bit of attention deficit disorder, ADD, you know what that is. That's, that's where you have a hard time. For, I really like that sweater. That's a nice sweater. Uh, where you have a hard time staying on track. And I, most of you don't, wouldn't think I would ever have that trouble. But I was kneeling at that altar, and I got to noticing there were stains all over it. And I said, Daddy, why has the altar got stains on it? And I remember it like it was yesterday. My dad looked at me, and with tears in his own eyes, he said, those are tear stains from people who have cried, seeking God's presence and God's power. Our altars are clean. Why are our altars clean? Have we lost the fire? Have we lost the hunger to break through? We can't lead other people when we haven't broken through ourselves. We can't lower our friends to the presence of Christ until we break through the roof. Church, I'm hungry. I'm not hungry for a meal, I'm not hungry for a dinner. I'm hungry for revival. I'm hungry for renewal. I'm hungry for power. I'm hungry for the presence of God. I'm hungry for the day that I can walk out of the church and not say, oh, that was a nice sermon. But I can walk out of the church and say, 15 people found Christ today. 30 people found Christ today. I'm hungry for the day that I'm leaving the church, not just saying, oh, we did okay, it was a decent service, but I can walk out of the church and say, somebody got filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost today. Somebody got healed today. Somebody got saved today. Somebody got delivered today. I broke through today. I found power today. I found Christ today.
But we live with too much pride. And we sit in the seats and we wait for somebody else to break through. For too many of us, our idea of a breakthrough is when somebody else gets it, maybe we can get a little bit of it. I told you this morning, too many people trying to steal the blessings of other people. So when they had broken through, the Bible says, they let down on the cot, the paralytic. They let him down. They lowered him to where Jesus was. You can't get there, but we'll get you there. The church tried to stop us, but we'll go through the roof. Lord, hear my prayer right now. If we as a body are bound and determined to stop your power from changing lives, blow up our building, tear off our roof, and get the presence of God back in this house. Some of you read this story and the first thing you think, well, if I was pastor, I'd be mad at them. They ripped a hole in the roof. I've pastored churches that I got in trouble for moving pulpits and moving organs. I'll give you credit. Nobody even yelled at me when I burnt the carpet. Yep, there's still a few burn marks up here. Let me tell you something. We need to understand that if we won't let them through the door, God's going to bring them through the roof. If we won't let them through the door, God's going to bring them through the wall. We ain't going to like that. It's going to get ugly. If we don't begin to evangelize our community, when God is ready to say, guess what, I've had all I can take at this church, he's either going to send them through another church that will accept them, or he will send us out of the place so he can bring somebody in that will. He'll send us out of these doors as fast as he brought us in these doors. He'll push us out. He'll kill us off. Ooh, I said it. He'll get us out of the way if we don't start bringing them in. But these good friends said, I can't let my family, I can't let my family die. Some of you, you've been like me. I, I said it this morning. I've done three funerals since first of the year. Some in my own family, some for people I didn't even know. I sat at that funeral yesterday, Howard and Helen, and I was amazed at how many faces I recognized and don't even go to our church. And every face that I recognized was not people I met at Walmart or in a town. They were people I met at funerals. They were people I'd seen at funerals. And somebody came up to me yesterday Weirdest compliment I've ever gotten in my life. That's another great funeral you did, Pastor. Okay. But the only thing they've ever heard me preach was a funeral. Oh, but what happens when we start saying, I'm not willing to lose my family?
I'm not willing to lose my kids. I'm not willing to lose my nieces and my nephews and my cousins and my grandparents. I'm going to be, I'm going to get on them like ugly on Pastor Tommy. And I'm going to drag them. If I have to pick them up, I'm going to recruit some help. Corey cracks me up. A few years ago, Corey got, he was excited. And Corey would get that Corey look and he'd go. And he'd start going. And he was gathering people because we're going to go pray for somebody. I seen him doing that one night and they left the building. He took about five people with him out the back door. Hey, you ain't walking out. We praying for you. Man, I want the days to come back. And we say, you know what? I, I've invited them. Oh, I wasn't supposed to do that. I've invited them. And we start going to somebody and say, look, listen, you know them too. And I've invited them till I am blue in the face. Why don't you invite them? Let, let's go together. How, how, how can we reach them? What can we do to show them love? How can we reach out to them? How can we go? Oh, I, I, I sit here and I hear, I hear today. I, I'm sorry, I keep coming back to this. But me and Helen were talking today about this funeral I did yesterday. She said one of the people at the funeral said, well, I've been thinking about coming over there. You know what? Helen, you need to be on her doorstep this week. You still thinking about it? I'll pick you up Sunday morning. You can pick them up at 1030 because you're usually five, ten minutes late anyway. <laughs> Woo, I'm walking out on thin ice now. <laughs> but <laughs> what if we start saying, I'm a good enough friend. I'm going to let you down where Jesus is. I'm going to carry you. I'm going to be there. Oh, what if they get upset with me? They'll only be upset until they get to Jesus. They'll only be upset until they get a life change. And when they get to Christ and their life gets changed, they're going to look at you and say, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you because I wouldn't have lived without what you did for me. They let down the paralytic. I know I got to hurry up. I don't care. My favorite verse in the whole Bible. Well, one of them. Verse number four. No, excuse me. Verse number five. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Do you notice what this verse says? It, there are many places where Jesus looks at the sick and says, your faith has made you whole. It's not what he said here. He says he looked at their faith. Now, I don't know who there is. But there, if I understand right, now, you go and ask my teacher. There is more than one person, right? Plural, plural pronoun. Plural pronoun. I can't even say what it is, much less. Now, I know there's a lot of theirs out there. There's a lot of theys out there. I, I know as a pastor, I've heard all, 
Everybody's talking. You know what everybody's talking means when you're talking to a pastor? It means you and your wife have been talking. Because that's usually everybody. Everybody's been saying you're preaching too long. Well, that's usually you and your wife and your kids. That's the way that works. But there tells me it has to be more than one person. So Jesus is not looking at the paralytic and saying, I see their faith, so you're saved. He's looking at the group. Now, the paralytic can be part of it. But the four of them are enough to be there. I tell tell you all the time, you can't make somebody get saved. But you can be there. Is this thing on? You know why we didn't jump up and shout around this house? Because ain't none of us intend to go out and be there. We're too busy trying to take care of ourselves, and we quit. We don't even worry about whether our, our family and our friends are lost or not. But when we worry about that, when we begin to understand that they are going to hell if we don't show them the love of God, then we get excited when we realize that we can be they. We can be the ones that Jesus says, I see your faith and I'm going to save you. Church, it's time we wake up. We sat by long enough and made excuses when the Bible clearly tells us that if we will be good enough friends to go and get them and let them down at the feet of Jesus, our faith will become the faith it takes to save their life. We don't get revival because we get a blessing. We get revival because we share a blessing. We don't get revival because we feel a spiritual doodad run up and down our back. We get a revival because we bring the lost and we lay them before Jesus and Jesus heals them and saves them and sets them free. What kind of friend are you? Who was the last person you let down in front of Jesus? Who was the last person that you carried into the house of God and said, listen, when's the last time you broke through enough to win somebody? Who was the last person that you led to the Lord? I believe it with all of my heart. We're coming into a generation that more people are going to get saved at home and on their jobs and get saved in the church. I understand that. But it's still got to be us letting down the bed. It's still got to be us reaching out. When was the last time that you broke through enough of your junk 
to get around the church. Or do we just sit back and let the church be the church and say, well, we can't get around it. Break through, church. Pray through. Pray through. There's only one way I can end this service. And that's with an open altar. But I'm going to baby step this. I'm going to baby step this. There's a part of me I just want to hard sell it. Part of me I just want to be mean. But y'all know I'm never mean when I preach. So I'm going to baby step this. So I'm going to tell you instead of expect you. If you really want to be a friend to a law, how many of you know somebody that doesn't know the Lord? If you really want to be a friend, you can't sit in your seat. You got to come break through. Some of you are going to be breaking through fear. Some of you are going to be breaking through doubt. Some of you are going to be breaking through your own issues. But you got to come break through before you can reach out. You can't lower them down to Christ until you've dug through. So what I want you to understand what I'm saying. If you really have a hunger, you can't sit back and let other people pray. It's not one of those times that I'm going to say, well, if you don't feel comfortable. No, I'm telling you, if you have a hunger to win the loss, you cannot stay in your seat. You got to get to an altar. I could have just opened them and half of you would have come. But I want you to be here. I want you to find the fire. I want you to find the anointing. If you're here and you look at your heart and you say, I don't know that I even know who God is. I don't know that my life is where it needs to be. Pastor, I, I need to be on that cot. I, I, I'm not ready to bring somebody else. I need God in my life myself. God has brought you into the house. The word has been preached. And as I invite people to come and pray, I'm going to ask you, if you say, I need salvation, I need to give my heart to the Lord, I want you to come and stand right here in the middle of this church. I'm going to come and pray with you. I believe that God is going to direct some other people in this church to come and pray with you. We're going to lead you to the Lord. Pastor, I'm saved. Then you need to be up here breaking through. You need to be seeking him out. So I'm going to pray and I want everybody either in an altar or here for salvation because God is ready to give us what we're asking for. But we can't sit back and wait for somebody else to do it. As I pray, I want you to come. Dear Heavenly Father, right now.
Lord, as people begin to move from their seats and they begin to come to this altar. Lord, I want you to open up the windows of heaven. Lord, I want you to give them strength to pray through, to dig through the battles, to dig through the circumstances, to dig through the the situations. Lord, I want you, Lord, if, if there's those here that don't know you, Lord, I want them to come to me right now. And Lord, let me lead them. Let me lead them in salvation. Let me lead them in your presence. Let them let me lead them to your wisdom and to your power. Lord, I just pray right now that you would send a revival in our hearts and a revival in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Begin to pray. Thank you. 